Hey there, welcome to the Collide Podcast. I'm so glad you're hanging out with me today. I absolutely love all the stories I hear from you guys out there listening and the ways that you're being inspired and encouraged by God showing up in people's lives and doing amazing things. It's uh, just continually encouraging to me to hear stories of ways that God is truly alive and well in colliding with us and bringing hope and bringing healing and transformation. And today's interview is really no different. I sat down with Sarah Nelson, and Sarah is a wife and a mom of a couple kids, and she is also a small groups director and has helped to grow a ministry of about 500 people at our church who are currently in small groups. And it was a really interesting conversation to hear the story of what led her to this kind of work. And I think it it always surprises me, but I don't know why it surprises me, that God actually used a place of pain and grief and loss to infill her with a passion and desire to help other people in their pain and loss and grief. And so I have a feeling that you'll be inspired as you hear the story of God showing up in her life and in her darkest hour and what He did through that. So take a listen. Sarah, it's so fun to sit down and hang out with you today. We just recently got to hang out, and here we are again. Hey. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, my gosh. It's your first podcast. I feel so so honored. Oh, my gosh. Well, I want to talk to you about all the things. Um, It kind of blows my mind. You're married. You have two daughters. Mm -hmm. But you're also the director of small groups at your church, which I think you might have mentioned to me has around 500 people actively engaged in small groups. So this is no small job (laughs) that you're doing. It is not alongside all your other responsibilities. So I just am curious because I think so many women are just overwhelmed by all of their responsibilities and all Mm -hmm. of their roles. And so I'm kind of curious, like, do you ever get overwhelmed by yours? Oh, like on the daily, (laughs) all the time. I, so I am working 40 hours a week. 30 of that is taking care of 500 plus people in small groups. And then 10 hours of those week is doing teaching, which I love. Both of them are shepherding and kind of actually taking discipleship out of like that Christianese word and putting it into everyday life. So like walking alongside people, teaching them how to live life together and teaching them about God, which is basically the best job ever. Um, (laughs) But on top of that, uh, before this job, I was a stay-at-home mom for like 12 years. And so learning how to go from staying at home because homemaking is a full-time job, holy cannoli, and having these two girls who are now both teenagers, or very nearly, my preteens, so close, and just also, like, remembering that I have a husband who, like, I enjoy spending time with, it's a lot. Um, mm-hmm. It is a lot. It's a lot. So it's a whole heck is, of a lot. Right? I feel like there's this ideology that Oh, look at her. She's crushing it. It must be so easy. And I don't know a single woman who would say, oh, yeah, this is super easy. I think we're all overwhelmed. Yeah. All the time. For sure. 
I, I mean, people ask me that all the time, like, how do you do ministry and your mom and you're a wife? And I'm like, you know, they're like, how do you balance it? And I'm like, I'm not sure that I do. Like, I think I every think I every day, every week is like this balancing act of how to make sure I'm balancing a good amount of time with family, how to um, make sure I'm planning joy, how to make sure I'm doing self-care, how to make sure I'm connecting with Jesus and I'm talking to Him, not just talking about yeah. Him. Like, there's all of these things that we have to juggle. So it is challenging. I think you're totally right. Each week is a different week. Uh, this two weeks ago, I think I started our winter signups for small groups, which, you know, it's a lot of one-on-one meetings. It's a lot of big launch projects. And I started college class. I'm going to seminary right now online. Oh and my gosh, I started teaching my latest like class in person with 40 students. And so I looked at my husband, I was like, I love you. I will not see you. I will not be here. I need you to do the child movings and chauffeuring and all the things. And, you know, that week he he picked up the slack and he stepped in. And I'm so thankful to have a partner who can do that and wants to do that. But yeah, this week he's sick. And so I'm picking up the slack. Right, right. It's just kind of how we work. Shifting that has to happen. I remember I was a stay-at-home mom for eight years, and when I went back to my full-time ministry job, I remember Rob and I—I call them maritals. We had to have some maritals because I was like, "Bro, I cannot do what I used to do, and then do this too." And it was kind of like, "Look, like," because he was so—he is such a cheerleader of the ministry that God's doing through me, um, and wants me to be doing it. But then also, I think there was a little element of him that wanted me to be like his mom who was like doing the laundry (laughs) doing the cooking and I was like I can't be me and your mom so we had to have some serious conversations but now he actually has taken on all the Costco runs the dishes he does a ton of laundry like but man we just celebrated 25 years in marriage and we've had to shift over the Mm -hmm. years as roles and responsibilities have changed So I would imagine that's happening with you guys as well as your responsibilities at work increase. Oh, for sure. I, so we're at almost 18 years of marriage in February. And I remember when I first went full-time in ministry, he was like, Hey, we're getting low on laundry. I was like, uh, yeah, you can do laundry too. Like I promise (laughs) it's, it's a thing that's within your abilities. You know, I had to show him where we kept the detergent and the softeners. And he's like, oh, okay. All right. I I can, I can do that. I believe in you. You can do this. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I hear you on that. Well, let's talk about, you know, this passion that led you uh, into this calling that you have to really engage people in God's word and community at your church. When did this passion start rising up in you? And how, how did that come about? I want to hear about that. Uh, I think that one of the amazing things is looking back from where I am today, I can see God preparing me for this, even way back in my teens, right? And there's been these little things that God has put in my path. Um, When I was in high school, my siblings both kind of walked away from church for a while uh, due to some pretty legitimate church hurt. I don't blame them for it at all. Um, I was just, just barely missed that tough season. And seeing them walk away, and I can't fault them for it, right? Uh, People are messy. 
God is good, but sometimes people aren't. And so that kind of broke my heart and helped me to see uh, just that humanity of the church in a new way. And I wanted to be part of a solution and not part of the hurt. So that was one step. Um, But what really triggered me into starting this new season of ministry was 2017. We were pregnant with our third baby. And I was at 37 weeks pregnant. And my third daughter's heart just stopped in womb. And the doctors have no idea why. And so we delivered stillborn our little daughter, Piper, who's, you know, hanging out with God right now. And I was really shook, um, really broken. We had just moved to a new area less than two weeks before that. I didn't have a church family. I didn't have friends. I didn't have family in town. I knew no one. And uh, God provided in pretty amazing ways. And within, oh goodness, within a week, I started a Bible study And all my people are like, what are you doing? You should be at home resting. And I was like, I will not be okay if I don't find some community. And I'm an introvert, so that Mm -hmm. is not my inclination. But God really pushed me. And we went to a brand new church on a Sunday. And that Tuesday, I started a brand new Bible study there. And the first Bible study, Uh, I was expecting, you know, the classic, like you watch a video and then you like take notes and you go home and talk to God about it. But this was, it was more of a small group setting. And so I had a room, 10 other women I'd never met. And our table leader started with introductions and she said, I don't want to know about how many kids are at home or what you do for a job. I want to know your name because that's important. And then I want to know one thing you think is important for us to know about you in this season. As we start loving one another well, what do we need to know about you today? Hmm. And when it got to my turn, I was like, I'm going to play it cool, guys. This is fine. I'm new to the area. And it got to me and I wept in front of complete strangers. And I shared what had happened literally one week before that day. And these strangers came around me and hugged me and they cried with me and they prayed over me and without hesitation, they jumped into life with me and they brought me meals. They showed me where, how to do the school pickup line at my new school for the kids and they did playdates and it was literally God's hands and feet on me in a way that I had not really seen were known before that day. And it showed me how powerful, full, transparent, messy friendship can be. It's so powerful and it's such, that's how God wants us to do life together. Um, So that day kind of showed me a new way of doing church. Uh, I think that's what Jesus expects and wants and desires for us. And I started just really leaning in. What do I, what do you want me to do, God, in this next season of life? I thought I was going to stay at home mom. And now both my girls are in school full time and I don't have that baby that I was expecting. And so in that year, uh, he just showed me himself in new ways and showed me the way he designed me to work and orchestrate and 
I started leading worship for the first time alone. Because I'd always depended on some other worship leader uh, to do the leading. I was always saw myself in a support role. And he's like, you, you can lead because you're in my image and that's what we do. So I think that that was kind of really the biggest catalyst for me. And then we moved to Linden, where I am now, uh, about a year after that. Sarah, there's so many things I want to unpack with you. I want to eventually talk to you about the power of these kinds of, you, you call them messy, transparent friendships that can happen in spiritual community in ways mm-hmm. that hold people up uh, through hard times and truly encourage us to grow in our faith. And I want to talk about those, but I don't want to just jump past um, this piece of your story that you just shared where you lost, I think you na- said you named her Piper. Yeah. At 37 weeks. Mm-hmm. How did you, because it's it's so crazy to me, you didn't go inward. You describe yourself as an introvert. And, and this shows like grief is so all over the place and can look so differently for different people. But how did you experience that kind of devastating loss and want to sort of go outward? I mean, what was it that you felt like you truly needed in that great disappointment? That's a good question. I remember the day I knew something was wrong, and I was on my way to my new OBGYN, which I'd never met before. And I, God had that really old song just replaying in my head, Um, God is good all the time. In the darkest of nights, his light will shine. And it was just that literally on loop. I was like, okay, all right, God, I know you're good. Even if this is not good, I know you're good. I need you to show me you're good today. And uh, he did. Not in the ways that I would have wanted, right? I wanted to find that heartbeat. I wanted to not lose her. Um, but he still showed me he was good. He provided uh, nurses who prayed over me, even though that's not standard operating procedure. Uh, he provided a distant relative who could come because my husband was two hours away on a work trip. And so he provided someone to come and hold my hand and hug me because I'm a physical touch lady. Um, and so I think, think that seeing God show up in tangible ways that weren't my first choice, but it was still obviously God, really helped me to trust Him in the following weeks and months because I couldn't deny that He was there. God was there even, like we're going through right now in our church sermon series, the book of Daniel. And I really identify like with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Like God didn't keep them out of the fire, mm-hmm. but God was notably and tangibly there in the fire. And he was there with me, even in the darkest night. And so when I had, you know, my mom who was calling me from afar and she's like, I just need someone. I'm asking God to provide someone 
for to hug you. I just need arms around you right now. And I knew that if I needed arms around me and I knew I needed that, that means I had to be where the arms were, right? I wasn't, I didn't have the luxury of waiting for arms to come to me. If I needed that support, I had to go where the support could be found. And so thankfully God just kept proving himself and I could trust that he'd continue to be there with me. When you think about people listening right now who are in a hard space, whether it's a devastating circumstance or it's grief or it's, you know, they're ashamed of something they've done and they need those arms. They need people to hold them up, but they've come up with 20 reasons in their head why they don't want to enter into community. What's your advice for them to to almost like lean the opposite direction of what they're feeling like doing right now? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'd say that what you're feeling, that shame, that grief, that overwhelming sense, maybe even of despair or anxiety, you're not alone. Like so many of us have been or are there. And I think that knowing that you're not alone can really help because when you let down your guard and you allow people to see your hurt or your mess, they're not going to be shocked. I think that's what we're afraid of. We're afraid of people being shocked and turned off by our mess. But the secret is we're all messy. Um, I have deeds in my past I'm ashamed of. I have grief. I have PTSD. I have anxiety. Again, I'm very introverted, and so people are scary sometimes. And so my encouragement would be, one, you're not the oddball out. It might feel like that, and you might even have some people hurt in the past that kind of reinforces that, but you're not the oddball. And that if you lean into it and really just are transparent, allowing others to be messy too, not expecting them to be your savior, but just being like, I'm messy and I need another messy human to be messy with me. You know, mm-hmm. I think that I don't know a single woman who has been opposed to that idea. Um, when I started my first small group uh, here at my new church, I literally just walked up. And I was like, I need someone who wants to do life and doesn't have to like pretend that their kids are always well behaved. I need someone who, <laughs> who, when you come over to my house and I am folding like 14 loads of laundry at once, that you just start picking up the towels and start folding with me, you know? I'm not going to make you like fold my husband's underwear, but like jump in and help out and to not be like, oh my gosh, she didn't do the laundry before I came over. Mm-hmm. That's to a T what I have found over the last few years of ministry That is what every woman wants. We all want to be able to do laundry together. We all want to say, your kids aren't perfect, but I still love them and I'm praying for them. And I know mine aren't perfect. We all want that. And so you're not alone. You're not odd. We are so glad you're here tuning into the Glide podcast with us each week. We're thrilled that you're enjoying our content and finding inspiration in our episodes. 
But did you know that Collide has so much more to offer? If you want to stay up to date on all the latest news, receive exclusive discounts, exciting announcements, and all the deets on our upcoming events, sign up for the Collide newsletter. Our newsletter is filled with inspiring content, printed Bible studies, devotionals, and encouraging messages to keep you motivated and inspired. Our newsletter is delivered to your inbox twice a month, and don't worry, we promise you won't receive any spam. Just curated content that feels way more like an exciting message from your best friend, full of content to encourage, inform, and inspire you right where you're at. So to make sure to stay connected with us and receive exclusive inspiration from Willow, click the link in the show notes to subscribe to our newsletter. We can't wait to see you in our inbox. Sarah, did you find a space in this small group that you talked about that you basically formed a week after this significant loss? Did you find that you could be mad at God, be disappointed in God? I mean, I think there's an element for people where they feel like, oh, if I join some sort of spiritual community or Bible study or small group or, you know, call up a Christian chick, I have to say I'm fine and I'm not fine. You know what I mean? Like, I think there we have all, I don't want to say all, but a lot of us have experienced the experience of being a part of Christian community where people are telling us to have a right answer and that's not a true, authentic answer. And so we almost are like in the midst of grief, it's almost like you go inward because you're like, I can't fake what I have going on. Totally. Yeah. And there comes a point. And here's my hope. Like, my hope is that people hear this and know that you don't have to wait until you're literal. like you can't not bawl if you talk about your mess. Don't wait until that point. Like jump in when the grief, the hurt, the shame are small so that when it's big, you have people. Um, but I totally hear what you're saying, Willow. I think that there's that that unspoken but totally understood expectation that we come into a social setting and we're like, you know what? I'm going through grief, uh, but God is good all the time. Praise the Lord, you know? And PTL, PTL. Yes, yes. And we can say, like, I can say that God is good all the time. And during that season, I took long walks. Our new place was right next to a, like a walking trail. And so I spent hours almost daily on that trail, listening to the Bible or listening to podcasts or just mentally talking to God saying, how is this good? Because I know that the Bible says that the Lord works all things together for good for those who, you know, are in him. And like, no, no one is going to say that losing a child is good. Mm -hmm. That is not good. And so I wrestled, and I have done this multiple times in my life where I'm in a space where I'm like, God, I know you're good, but this is not good. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I think God is good with that. I mean, Jesus wept, Jesus grieved, Jesus saw hurt and saw death, and he did not say that the death and the hurt were good. But he did say that he was going to use it to bring glory to his name and glory to his father. 
And so I don't think he expects us to say that what we're going through is good. That's where I've come to. It took me a month, if not longer, depending on which situation we're talking about in my history, um, to say that this is not good, but God is good. Mm-hmm. For me, I think that it takes time uh, to see how God makes it good. Um, for example, um, so when I moved to Linden, I started a new small group. And my small group started like two months before COVID. <laughs> we were like, great, it was so good to meet you. I guess we're doing Zoom, you know, all the things. And the December after COVID hit, so December 2020, one of the girls in my small group um, experienced a stillbirth. And she was devastated. She didn't know anyone else who had gone through this. And even though I was weeping as I did it, I was able to go to her. And I was able to say, no, I know this hurt. Here's what you can expect. And I'm talking like logistically. And this is what your body's going to go through. And it's not fair. And you're going to have to heal postpartum even though you're not holding a baby. And that's not fair. But I'm here. And God is here. And if you need anything, I'm here. And God used my hurt and that ungood thing that happened to me to bring support and hope and empathy and just those arms again um, to someone who might not have had that support otherwise. And she in turn has done that for others since her loss. And I think that's one of the ways that God redeems or brings good out of these ungood things. Mm-hmm. That's pretty powerful. And that just builds my trust with him even more because the next time something ungood happens, I know because I've seen it. I know that he is going to use this for good somehow. Even though it is not good, he can use it for good. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that you invited us into that moment where you're on a walk and you're saying to the Lord, because what a brave question to say, this doesn't feel good. How is mm-hmm. this good? Like to say, how is this good? You say that you work all things out for the good of those who love you. How is this good? I think drawing back from, you know, you collide with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's actually asking, you know, the cup to be passed from him. He doesn't yeah. want to go through the cross. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right. Like, it's not like, oh, you know, it wasn't hard. It's good. Oh, it um, is hard. But yeah, what you have gone through that is just traumatizing and difficult. It's not that it's good, but it's that God can actually bring something good out of it. You can allow him. In fact, it's so interesting. I don't know if you've heard of Kubler-Ross's stages of denial or or mm. grief, excuse me, stages yeah. of grief. Denial is one of them. Um but there are these sort of like I think it's six stages of grief. I someone can correct me if I'm wrong. You can google it people. Um but uh I think a six maybe it's five stages. A six was added recently and it's make meaning. 
And it's actually just talking about one of the most important things you can do is get to a place where you can make meaning out of your pain. And I think that's what you're talking about. I think that's what Collide is. I mean, I I think Collide is so much about um, how it started, which was me in a place of pain. And God was using me in that pain to invite a few other women who were in pain. And together we were going to Jesus for healing. And then we just invited a few more people and a few more people. Right? And here we have Collide. <laughs> but God actually started purposing my pain to help other people find healing while I was looking for the same thing. And Jesus was showing up in that. So I think you know, you're talking about being able to have such a close, intimate relationship with Jesus where you can say, but this isn't good. How do you see this as good? But also looking and trusting and believing that he can make meaning out of it. He can take it and he can do something through you if you allow him to bring something meaningful and impactful for other people and for the world, which I love that that's what you're doing now. You're you're creating and making spaces for hundreds of people to experience what you experienced in that initial small group that you talk about, which is the goal. a place for people to be supported. And I also love a few minutes back, you mentioned this and, and it's so wise is to enter into one of these communities almost before you need it. I, this is mm-hmm. how I talk to people about counseling. Like yes. don't just do reactive counseling, like, Oh, our marriage is falling apart. Like Go to counseling before your marriage is falling apart. Some people don't have that luxury right now. To um, They need a small group right now, and they didn't mm-hmm. enter into it when, when they didn't need it. But you're actually encouraging those of us who aren't in one to be a part of a community where we're growing spiritually before we're actually in a crisis. Yes. Uh, what do you think it takes for someone to find the right fit? Because I think a lot of us are like, oh man, I I don't want to just fill out my card at church and all of a sudden I'm in a living room with a bunch of strangers and it's super (laughs) awkward and they're weird and they're not my people. So what's your advice on that process? Oh, that's a really good question. So some of the pieces of advice that I give people who come to me looking for a group or even uh, we have leaders or hosts who open up their doors and my advice is always one, make sure you know what you want. Because if you want a group that's like really studious and really into the Bible, and you join a group that loves to play pickleball, you know, it's not going to be a good fit for you. Uh, if you need peers who understand what it's like to parent teenagers, and you join a group of beautiful, salty-haired, wise women who are empty nesters or who have never had kids, again, not a good group. You've got to know what you want or what you're looking for, or even maybe a different way of saying it is what do you bring? Um, For me, I know I need some sarcastic ladies who are not going to be scared by my sense of humor, um, which is not for everyone. And that's okay. God made me unique and he made me some unique friends and they'd say they're unique too. Um, So you have to know what you're looking for and what you bring to the group. And once you can clearly say that without any shame or reservation, I think that's a huge first step. Um, If you need girls who are 
always wanting to be over at each other's houses, you don't need an introverts group. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so uh-huh, you, I do. You, you just have to be realistic with what you want. If you need a season where you're really deep in the word or you need a group that's really heavy into prayer, that's good. And you need to be able to say that. But my friends who are prayer warriors are not always going to get my sense of sarcasm. They might be hurt by that sometimes. And so I need to know what I'm going for. Am I going for some really deep prayer season and I need that? Do I need a group that understands what it is to deal with anxiety or deal with uh, kids who are going through a specific struggle? Or like I have one of my dear friends right now is an adoptive mama and she needs other mamas who understand what it is to have adopted kids. I love her and her kids, but I don't understand that struggle. That's not what God's called me to. And so I totally support her going to other friends, making new friend people who understand the struggle that she's going through. So I, I think love that's a big that deal. You're inviting us to know ourselves before we like really ask yourself, what are you looking for? What are you hoping yeah. for? What are you not hoping for? There's a lot of churches that don't have a million jillion um, options, or they don't necessarily have a culture where you can enter something and try it out for six weeks and leave, and it's not like a big breakup. I think that's yeah. really hard because sometimes you get invited. I know here at the Collide office that are like local headquarters for people who live near us, we do offer Bible studies, but they have six, they're like six weeks, 10 weeks. Yep. So it, there's not a pressure where some small groups at some churches, you feel like, oh my gosh, you sign up for like this lifetime small group. And then you have it's to have like pack. a confrontation or something and be like, this isn't for me. And then it's awkward. <laughs> totally. Uh, I'd say if you're in that situation, you find yourself there because I've been there. Uh, and then you feel like you're like going through a divorce or like you're going to be excommunicated if you don't get along with someone. Oh my gosh. Uh, so if that's you and you're afraid that you don't want to, you don't want to go there, you don't want to jump into the deep end. Uh, what I did, so when I moved to our town now, Lyndon, um, we didn't have small groups going at our church at the time. Uh, that was a direct result from uh, COVID. And so what I did was I just went to people who smiled back at me at church, like people who did not have like the church mask on that looked friendly. And I was just like, hey, you look cool. Do you want to do coffee? Uh, Which I learned in our town is the way to get to know people because no one here says no to coffee. And uh, so I would just be like, hey, spoken like a true Pacific Northwesterner right there. You know, I did not do coffee until I moved here. Uh, I was never a coffee drinker, and I have become a social drinker that is now secretly not just a social drinker of coffee. Um, but yeah, As you hold a coffee cup saying that? It is, it is now always in my hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just, you find whatever is your cultural accepted norm, the easy in with people. Maybe that's hey, I need a good thrift shop. Do you want to show me a thrift shop? Or, hey, I I see you at the soccer fields. Do you mind if we just set up our lawn chairs next to one another? And just do it once. There is not a long-term commitment uh, in my area. Nobody I talked to said they did not want to get coffee with me once. So it's a really easy thing. 
everyone's like, oh yeah, sure, we'll do coffee. And, you know, scheduling, maybe some people had to be weeks out, but it was a really easy yes for people. So find the easy yes, and then just approach people who feel like you could get along with. That doesn't always mean the same stage of life. Doesn't always mean that you both have kids in the same season. Um, but just whoever you're drawn to or whoever just looks friendly, just just try it. Worst mm-hmm. they say is no, and then you're in the exact same place you are. Mm-hmm. But again, if you need those arms around you, you have to go to where the arms are. Mm, such a good word. I also think for those who would be brave to do this, and I know my husband and I have done this, where we're craving that spiritual community and growth, we'll often say, hey, we're going to start something. It's going to last for six weeks. It's on empty nester parenting. We're going to do dinner and have, Mm -hmm. you know, people come in and talk on this. And then it has a start date. It has an end date. You invite some people and then you kind of evaluate afterwards. And so um, it feels like there's a lot less to lose. But I love that you're challenging us. Hey, each one of us can do something Mm -hmm. to enter into community. I think a lot of times uh, we often are waiting for someone to initiate with us. And I find a lot in our work at, at Collide, when I'm meeting with a woman who feels really stuck and isolated relationally, uh, a lot of times it's because she's waiting for people to initiate with her. And I always like to say, and I learned from a mentor a long time ago, you have to be a friend to have friends. So sometimes you, you're sitting here waiting, you're waiting for friendships, you're waiting for those arms, you're waiting for a spiritual community or a small group. And I think sometimes you have to go after the thing that you want in life and not wait for it to come to you, right? Take agency over your own life. The Lord made it possible for you to say, want to get coffee? And that mm-hmm. feels really scary for some people, it does. but it's it amazing for me. how you can meet your lifelong best friend over a cup of coffee. Oh, absolutely. And I don't want it to sound like it was easy for me. Um, again, introvert, brand new town. I didn't know anyone. And I was nervous every single time I asked. But again, if I want friends, I have to step out. Uh, People always assume that everyone else has friends. And even those women that you think, oh, they are so pretty or they have it all together. After doing ministry for a few years, I can tell you they're lonely too. Every one of us needs connection and very few of us feel like our plates are full. We have too many friends. Oh my gosh, I can't even. (laughs) No, we all are looking for more connection, especially friends who can help us pursue God, uh, who aren't afraid of our questions or our messes. And so if you can be that person who's like, yeah, I've got questions for God too. I want to ask, how is this good? Or why did that happen? Or whatever your question might be, find those other people who have questions too and be that safe place for one another to pursue God together. Sarah, one of the things that I found so interesting when you and I talked a few weeks ago is that, because I couldn't believe how fast this small group ministry is growing that you're leading. And I I asked you some questions, and and you can reword this because I'm not going to be able to explain it the way you did. But one of the things that seemed unique that you're doing is you're teaching small group leaders 
how to have fun. Can you tell us yeah. a little bit more about that? Because I think it would just be good for people listening. It might give some um, some freedom in what it looks like to even be a small group leader or host. Because we talk about that at Clyde all the time. Like, you can host one of our Bible study books. I mean, heck, I've written several totally. of them. And we're hearing that they're changing lives. But I think sometimes you think, oh, I'm not a leader. I'm not a leader. You don't have to be a Bible guru to be a leader. And so I love Amen. that you, in the ministry that you're doing, you're you're teaching people one of the most important things is to have fun with each other. Can you tell us more about what you're doing and why it's working? Yeah. Oh, I can't tell you exactly why it's working because that's, I think it's God. Um, but I think that there's been this preconceived notion or maybe church tradition uh, where if you're meeting with other Christians, it's a serious moment. Uh, it's a holy moment. And I think that holy moment uh, understanding is, we misunderstand what that is. And so when we get together, if we're feeling this pressure to be serious and have it all together, then we're probably also not being very authentic because my authentic self does not have it all together. And I diffuse seriousness with humor. <laughs> like, I, this is not authentic for me and you're not going to get to know the real me if I've got my church face on all the time. And so one thing that I've seen to be really helpful, at least in our community, is to take off that church mask. You have to laugh together and you have mm -hmm. to uh, be able to set down the Bible. My, my leaders, I have 57 different groups, I think right now, small groups. And some of those are led by couples or some of those are co-led by someone who doesn't mind asking questions or leading discussion. And then someone else who likes to host. So we'll split that responsibility up, by the way. Um, but one of the things that I require our groups to do is to take at least one week where you do not open the Bible and you do not open the discussion questions that I provide. Like you need to take a week off and literally just do something that makes you laugh. So we have uh, games that we like check out like a library. So if you want to play games or if you want to do an escape room in a box, uh, we've got those. But also, maybe you just like make a taco bar and just have fun together or sit around a campfire if the weather permits, you know, and just tell stories and just be together. Go on a scavenger hunt. We live in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. Go and like geocache. Is that what that thing is called? You know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Whatever it is. Find a painted rock underneath yeah. a log in a forest. Or paint rocks, even if you're a horrible artist, and then go hide them somewhere. Um, do something that's not churchy. Mm. And just let your guard down. Laugh with one another. Uh, we try to have big events every season. So next month we're hosting a pub-style trivia night for small groups. And we host it here on church site groups that sign up just like you would at any local tavern or pub for trivia night and then we have a keg of root beer and we have fresh cider and we have all the pub style checks mix and pretzels and things and we just laugh none of the trivia things are bible related 
Like we're talking celebrities and urban legends and Disney, I don't know, sports, I guess, or trivia content. That's one I'm not good at, but that's why I have my small group buddies because someone there is a sports fiend. And so we just have fun. And we're on church site. We're with church friends, but we're not being churchy, I guess. But the thing is, is I think that is church. You're just bringing what you have to the table and enjoying one another's company. And I've, I've been really heavily influenced and blessed by a content by like Cara Murphy, Cara Murphy. I don't know how to say her name. Uh, she wrote Inquisitive Christ. And in there, she tells little retellings of Bible stories where she shows what she thinks is God's sense of humor. And, you know, walking in the garden with Adam and Eve, it probably wasn't just the Sermon on the Mount. You know what I'm saying? Like, they enjoyed one another's company. And like, what if Jesus told a dad joke? You know, what if Adam and Eve were like, oh my goodness, Jesus, that's hilarious. I mean, if we're in God's image and we have senses of humor, God made a donkey talk. Like, he's got a good sense of humor. Mm -hmm. And so I think he likes to see his children laugh and play together. Mm. Well, I definitely know that the people that I'm closest to in life are the people that I can laugh most freely with. So I love that you're inviting people to be be all the things, not just get together and be serious and be sad, but be fun and be funny and silly and enjoy each other's company. Sarah, I absolutely love that the Lord met you in this very difficult place of pain and surrounded your life with people who could hold you up and support you. And now you're He's so good. Being, he is so good. And now you're being used to create those spaces for other people. I love that so much. It's so inspiring for all of us. And I know I could ask you a million more questions, but we we can't hang out all day <laughs> in this old bathroom. Um, I want people to be able to connect with you and the work you're doing. How can they do that? Well, I'm on social media, uh, just Sarah Nelson, which is not very helpful. So <laughs> it might be easier for you to find me if you go to nccTK.com slash small groups. Uh, I'm the small group director there and I'm pretty easy to find and connect with. Uh, shoot me a message or email me through there, uh, Sarah with no H dot Nelson at nccTK.com. That's my email. And I would love to hear from you. And I will connect you to all my socials, TikToks, all the things. God didn't give me a unique name, but I love to connect with you. Sarah, thank you for hanging out. Keep rocking that coffee and (laughs) we'll catch you soon. Thanks, Willow. Hey, friend, I don't know about you, but after hanging out for this time with Sarah... I just absolutely am amazed that in that time of loss, when she lost her baby, that rather than going inward, she recognized, I can't go through this pain alone. And she went 
out and reached for the arms that she knew she needed to hold her up. How inspiring. If that doesn't inspire you and I to get intentional about the kind of community and support we want in our lives, I don't know what will. So my encouragement to you is the same thing that I'm encouraging myself to do, which is to really take an inventory on how is my community? Is it where I want it to be? Am I being intentional in my relationships? Are they supporting me? Am I supporting them? Do I have a place where I'm growing? If I hit a season that was really, really hard, would I have people to hold me up like I need them to? And am I the kind of friend that will hold people up when they need me to? It's just a really, really good pause right now to think about where do I need to get intentional in my relationships, my Christian community, my church, my spiritual friends. So my encouragement to you, keep colliding. He is with you. He loves you. I hope you see Jesus show up in your week in an amazing way, and I'll catch you next week.